we, uh, as I said a minute ago, have entered into a series where we're talking about uh, the the mission and purpose statement of our church. And in our church, you hear us talking a lot about how that we are building friendships and finding God. And that these sound pretty simple, but that's basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect to each other and then connect us to God. And and uh, all of us are a different place in that walk. We're all at different places in that cycle. Uh, but the way that we determine to do that is with what we call the five E's. And last week, Pastor Neil talked to us about how we exalt Christ and everything we do. That's our worship aspect. Today, uh, we're going to be talking the second E is evangelism. It's our outreach aspect. And Pastor Kyle is going to be coming and sharing with us. And if you've ever heard this guy preach, I know you love him. You appreciate him. I tell you, we are so, I was in my office. I was praying this morning thinking, I thought, how blessed we are to have so many effective communicators in our church, men and women that can preach and teach the word that we just love and we enjoy hearing. And so um, I know, man, last week I told Neil, I think that was, I've heard him preach lots of times. But I said, I think that may be the best message. I've ever heard you preach and and I'm not trying to put the pressure on Kyle, you know, but but uh, but you better step it up as I, I mean he, he he had it. He brought his a game last week. I don't know what to tell you, but uh, Kyle always does and I, I appreciate him so much. He is our uh, young adult pastor, one of our associate pastors, and uh, he just does, just does a phenomenal job. I'm so proud of all these guys. And if you would, would you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Kyle to the pulpit right now? Yeah, well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I'm really excited to be here and to share the word with you today. And uh, like Neil said last week, I just want to express my appreciation to Pastor for letting us have the opportunity to preach on Sunday morning. It's It really is a privilege, and uh, we don't take it lightly. I've been uh, thinking about this and praying about this for some time now. And uh, I'm very honored that I would be asked to preach on evangelism. Evangelism is very near and dear to my heart. I I really believe, as I was thinking about it this morning, I believe that evangelism is kind of a spiritual gift that runs in my family. When I think about it, I, I think about my dad and his dad. I start with my grandpa Hughes. Uh, he has an evangelist heart. He's uh, He's been at Pine Bluff First Assembly now for over 50-something years. The very first African-American people that were ever saved and baptized in Pine Bluff First Assembly of God Church were brought by my grandpa because he and, and my grandma had a heart for children and for the lost. And they would run buses. They would get up hours and hours before anybody else was getting up on Sunday morning and run vans and buses into neighborhoods in Pine Bluff. And, and uh, pretty soon, African-American children started wanting to come. And you know how things were in, the, in our nation back in that time. But he, my grandpa said, I don't care. He said, anybody who wants to come to church, he said, if they're standing there when I pull up, they're going to church. And uh, two brothers actually were saved and baptized in that church, and they still serve the Lord to this day. Both of them still living in Pine Bluff. And, and now that congregation down there is probably half or more African-American, a, a beautiful congregation. And Heather and I had the opportunity to serve there as youth pastors for a while. And then my dad, my dad, I was looking through some notes of his just the other day that my mom gave me, and he was making out some lists uh, back before he died about things he wanted to do in the year. I think it was the year 2004. And he said, I want to, one of the things he said on there was, I want to spend two hours every week evangelizing the lost. And he would, he used to ride his bicycle down to the little town square in my hometown of Star City. And, and from there you could look into the Piggly Wiggly parking lot and he would sit there on his bike and, and watch people come in and out. It kind of sounds creepy on the surface, but he was, he would sit there and he would watch people go in and out of the grocery store and he would just be praying. He would just be praying. He would be asking the Lord 
to send him to the right person. And when he felt that the Holy Spirit spoke, he would go and he would help that person load their groceries up in their car and then he would share the gospel with them. And uh, sometime after he passed away, I had a woman come up to me when I was down at home just visiting, actually visiting Pine Bluff First Assembly. A lady come up to me that I I'd never met her in my life. And she said, I'm saved today because of your dad. And I, I had no idea. I never met her. And she said, I was walking out of Piggly Wiggly one day, and he helped me put my groceries in my car and share Jesus with me. And I got saved right there. And I'm still saved and serving the Lord today. And so it's just, it's just an honor for me. And evangelism is something that is really near and dear to my heart. Because, I mean, in the end, isn't this what it's all about? I mean, Jesus came to die for all of humanity. We are all lost. And to save sinners. That's why he came. And that's why the church exists, to take that message to the world. That's why we're here in a nutshell. And so it's, it's an honor. And I think that the most important thing that we could say about evangelism at the very beginning of this message is this, is that nothing that I will say or that you will think or feel about evangelism matters if we won't actually obey God and go out into the world and evangelize the lost. We could respond to this message today in any number of ways. We could get excited at the thought of sharing the gospel with the lost. We could cry at the overwhelming reality of the lostness of humanity. We could even make a plan to evangelize our family, school, workplace, neighborhood, city streets, or the nations. But none of that matters if we don't do it. What truly matters when it comes to the matter of evangelism is what we do and say out there, not so much in here. And we all know that we're supposed to evangelize, right? We all know that. I mean, the Bible is clear. Jesus was clear. The paramount scriptures from the Bible on evangelism are those of the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, it's very familiar. I understand that. But if you would like to turn there, you can. Or if you want to tap or click there on your device, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission, we've all heard it many, many times before, says that Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, at the point in time that Jesus had said this, he had already died, he had risen from the dead, he had presented himself before the Father as a perfect and a permanent sacrifice for our sins and a new covenant A new agreement between God and man has been initiated through the blood of Christ. A new age has begun. The church is born. And now here Jesus is finishing out his earthly ministry right before he's getting ready to go back to the Father so that the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in every heart. He says these words. These are one of the last things he says. He tells us, make disciples of all nations. Or in other words, evangelize the world. Now, these two words here, disciple and evangelize, are not the same word. But the act of making disciples and evangelizing the lost with the message of Christ are inseparable. You cannot have one without the other for evangelism, which is the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel, is encased within discipleship. 
So we are, as believers, to make disciples. And Ronnie Hoover taught me that the imperative verb in that, in that great commission, imperative meaning the absolutely necessary, required, and unavoidable action in the great commission is make disciples. Now those two words, make disciples, are actually just one word in the Greek that means to teach and develop followers, pupils, and disciples of Christ. Another way of saying it is that we are to recruit, to teach, and train people to surrender their lives to Christ and to live as Christ lived. That is what you and I are supposed to be doing. That's what we've been commissioned to do. So, we're commanded to go, make disciples. And as I said, inherently involved in that is evangelizing, meaning to preach and proclaim the gospel to all nations. That word there, nations, is a word meaning all tribes or ethnic groups. So, after people hear the gospel and they get saved, then, the, then we're told in the Great Commission that what naturally follows is that person is then baptized and then they enter into a process of what we call sanctification, meaning they continually grow and they continually become more and more like Jesus throughout the course of their life. The command here in Matthew is to go and make disciples of all the nations. And I think a big question that arises is, does that mean that we, all of us here, are commanded to all go to all the nations? Are we all here to go and leave our, leave our culture, leave our tribe, and go to the nations and spread the gospel? Well, I want to answer that question first by saying that I think we should all be willing to. And that if we're not willing to, then there's a problem, okay? But ultimately, I think the answer is no. And this is why I think so. We, we are not all called to go to the nations and live among them. Now, we can all go on short-term missions trips. We can all send our money to the places in the world where the gospel is being preached the least or is not even being preached at all, and I think we should. But ultimately, I don't think that every single believer is called to go in this capacity. And here's why. Because in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, the Bible says, And he, being Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, those who we call missionaries today really are functioning in the role of an apostle. They are obviously not apostles according to the original definition, which was a person who actually saw Jesus and was commissioned directly by Jesus. Okay, so they're, they're not an apostle in that sense, but they are functioning in that role because they have been called and ordained by God to be a sent one, which is what that words mean. And he also gives the meaning of an ambassador. These people are ambassadors of the kingdom of God from one a culture from one tribe to another, which is originally not their own. So we're not all called to do that necessarily, though we should all be willing, as I said, but, but you're not off the hook. We do all go. We do all go. Jesus told the disciples right before he ascended in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, we have received that spirit. We have received that power. And whether or not we ever go anywhere except our own Jerusalem, being Fayetteville, in our going, 
We are to evangelize the lost with the message of Christ. And we are to make disciples of all men. So, if you haven't caught what I'm trying to say yet, or or you're just waking up, we are and have a responsibility to make, to preach, to teach, to train, explain, and help develop followers, students, and disciples of Jesus Christ. This is obvious, right? I mean, you guys are probably bored to tears. I mean, anybody that's been going to church any amount of time knows this. This is Christianity 101. But the bigger question and the problem is, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we, why isn't the church at large involved in evangelizing the lost with the message of Christ? That's the first question in a series of three that I'm going to ask and answer this morning. Why aren't we evangelizing the lost? How do we evangelize the lost? And what, is it, what does evangelism cost us? The first question, why aren't we? Why aren't we evangelizing the lost? Mark Batterson, the pastor in Washington, D.C., he tweeted this earlier this week. He said, don't let what you cannot do keep you from doing what you can. You see, I think that many of us don't share the gospel because the first thing we think about when it comes to sharing the gospel is we think about what we cannot do. Well, I can't get up there and preach like Pastor D. I can't sing like Neil. I can't, I'm not very charismatic. I can't do this. I can't do that. And so immediately the enemy is able to inject fear into our lives. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear that we might disappoint God. We might not do it the right way. And I think that fear is probably the main reason that believers don't evangelize. So many American Christians associate evangelism with the evangelistic event. It's kind of how we've been conditioned. Because if you grew up in this nation, if, if you're older than, I mean, if you're my age or older, you know who Billy Graham is. So when you think evangelism, you think Billy Graham crusades. That's evangelism. That's only one type of evangelism. And thank God for Billy Graham. I heard him preach on the radio this morning. And it was awesome. Thank God for Billy Graham and for the evangelistic crusade, for the door-to-door event. Thank God for all of that. But that is not in itself evangelism. Evangelism is just purely preaching the gospel to the lost. And so you don't have to do it that way. And I think that this is one reason that we're not evangelizing. But there are others. There are other reasons. And I read a pastor's blog earlier this week, a pastor from Virginia, about why he believes Christians aren't evangelizing. And I thought it was really good. So I want to share these five uh, reasons that he shared with you. He said, number one, he thinks that the church at large isn't evangelizing because churches isolate Christians from unbelievers. Churches isolate Christians from unbelievers. Simply put, a lot of Christians don't know any unbelievers. How can you evangelize the lost if you don't know a lost person? If you don't have a relationship with a lost person? Through our daily lives, we we come into contact with many people who don't know Jesus. But we don't have close relationships with any of them, many of us. And I've been guilty of this at times in my life. But churches enable isolation in a couple of ways. And it's not only the church, but it's our culture. We have so many things to do, right? It's like, we have this on this night, and this on this night, and if you don't come, you're a bad Christian. And our calendars are so full, and our schedule is so full, that we don't have time to invite the neighbor who lives literally 20 feet next door into our home who needs Jesus. 
We pull out of the driveway at the same time every day and we wave at them. We give them the neighborly, you know, thing that you do. And they're lost without Jesus. And we're rushing to get to the church, a church full of people who already know him. In addition to this, some congregations actually cultivate hostility toward the world, he said. As our culture becomes more explicitly hostile to Christianity and biblical morality, it's easy to allow a bunker mentality to set in. And when that happens, the outside world becomes a boogeyman. And the way for God's people to be holy is to keep their distance from it. So Christians are living their lives on parallel tracks from the world, never intersecting. Second reason is that we believe that evangelism is extraordinary. We suspect that evangelism is only for those who have the gift of evangelism or for pastors or other professional Christians, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't, if you know a professional Christian, let me, you know, I want to meet them. And so they simply don't feel like they are capable of sharing the gospel. This pastor said that from time to time, people in his congregation will bring their friends or family to him to have him share the gospel with them. And he says, I'm not doing it. You do it. You share the gospel with them. Third reason is that churches don't talk about the cost of following Jesus. Evangelism is costly. There's really no way to tell people that you believe that God took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and soared back to heaven without possibly losing their favor. But that's okay. The Apostle Paul says that God intentionally saves us in a way that will seem foolish to those who think that they're wise. Our message will not be well received by people who are perishing, the Bible says, but it will be like a stench in their nostrils. And this pastor says that if I understand Paul correctly, it's actually God's plan for us to suffer at times when we share the gospel. He said, if you don't agree, just read through the book of Acts and make a note every time someone shared the gospel and then suffered for doing so. But many churches, and I don't believe this church is one of them, but many churches never confront their people with the reality of following Christ, that it will cost them something. We teach them, and you hear this all the time, that it's all about them and their sense of personal well-being. So when it comes time to pay a price to share the gospel, many people aren't willing to do that. The fourth reason is that we look for immediate results. And I don't even have to look at what he said here because I have so much experience with this. I've been discouraged in my life before because once I finally got up the courage to share the gospel with somebody, they're like, nah, no thanks. I'm like, my heart's like pounding, I'm sweating, I'm like nervous. I'm like, I just did all this and they just blew me off just like that. They don't want to get saved. I expected them to fall down and shout, Jesus is Lord, you know, and just like. And they did it and I'm like, well, I guess I'm no good at this. I'm not going to do it anymore. I finally got over that because when you read the Bible, you understand that we don't save people. That's obvious. And that God has a plan, okay? And that you and I may be the first person in a long line of people who will share the gospel with that person before they get saved. Or you might be the person who continually shares the gospel with that person over and over and over as you build a friendship with them when the time is right and one day they come to know Jesus. Many of you remember my friend from Korea that came to the university and I got to baptize him. He didn't tell me that he was saved until like a week before he left. 
I mean, I shared the gospel with him for like eight months. I mean, we, we, we talked about creation and philosophy and uh, why we're here and every kind of idea under the sun. And we debated and discussed and I prayed for him. And I thought, you know, he, he may never get saved. But I just determined in my heart, you know what, I'm just going to love him anyway because Jesus does. And eventually, he just told me one day, we're just sitting there nonchalantly. He's like, yeah, I, I decided to give my life to Christ. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'm like, <laughs> on the inside, I'm like, you know, punching and kicking and dancing. And, and, but I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm like, that's great. Listen, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged when you tell someone about Jesus and they don't immediately, as I said, fall down and say, Jesus is Lord. I had the opportunity uh, several weeks ago on one of the strangest nights of my life. I was sitting in Starbucks over on MLK and I was studying for a message. It was like 6 p.m. when I got there and it was 8 now and I was packing up. And I saw this guy sitting over here who I thought was a Mexican man in his 50s. he, and I thought he was a Christian because he was reading the Bible. Well, it turns out he was neither. He was not a Christian, nor was he Mexican. So I go over to talk to him, and I find out he is an Iranian, and he doesn't know what he believes, but he's sitting here in this coffee shop reading the Bible. So I sat down with him, and I end up talking to him, and I, we end up talking for probably 30 or 45 minutes and he doesn't really like what I have to say, but he's nice enough. You know, he's like bearing me. So we're kind of sparring, you know, intellectually and spiritually. And in the middle of this, this guy comes up over to me, uh, with his girlfriend and they had been screaming obscenities at each other just a few minutes earlier. The manager had to come and tell them to be quiet or they were going to get thrown out. This guy comes up to me and he looks at me and says, do you believe revelations is coming? I was like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) I said, I believe Jesus is coming. And then he lifts, I'm looking, he lifts his coffee to the sky and he starts screaming, hell, Satan, hell, Satan. No, no kidding. I mean, you can't make this up, right? (laughs) So I was like, uh, I just stared at him. I just gave him that, that stare, like that holy, righteous anger. Like you better get out of here before God strikes you dead type look, you know? And, uh. And so they leave and we continue our conversation and we come to the end of it. And finally, um, I'm trying to remember his name. It was a really cool name. I can't remember his name now. I'll remember it later. But he, uh, he said, basically, he's like, I don't need God. He's like, I don't need religion. He's like, I don't, he's like, all I need is this right here. He's like, and really all that matters in the end is if whatever you believe, if you just believe it sincerely. And I had been badgering him with questions all night. And, and seriously, like I had just everything he threw up, I was able to just knock it down. Like, and it was just all the things I've studied and the Holy Spirit with me. But, and I said, okay, can I ask you one more question? He's like, he had that look like, okay. And I was like, do you believe that you can be sincerely wrong? And he's like, are you done now? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right. And he just picks up his Bible and he just walks off. <laughs> now, He didn't get saved, obviously, but he might. His name was Cyrus. That was it. He might one day. I might have just been the person that just started picking at the hard soil around his heart. Somebody else is going to come and dig a little more, and eventually someone's going to drop a seed, and God's going to make it grow. You never know. So don't be discouraged. The fifth reason that I think, or this pastor thinks, that people aren't evangelizing is that we aren't clear on the message 
He said that when he asked people who are becoming new members of his church to explain the gospel to him in like just 60 seconds, he said they just freak out. He said a lot of them can't do it. And he said it's not because they don't know the gospel or, or know the Bible. They just, a lot of people have never been forced to articulate it. And when it comes down to doing it, even to their own pastor, they can't do it. So you think they're going to be able to do it out there? <laughs> no. So there's a lot of fear. A lot of people haven't really thought through logically the gospel and, and, and have a plan to articulate it. So these are some of the reasons why we're not evangelizing. And I want to talk about uh, how we're going to do it because I know that after this service, you're all going to get up and go out into the rain and go door to door and start evangelizing everybody. Since we're all going to do evangelism more, we're all going to do this. We need to know how. And I believe, this is not original with me. I was taught this, but I have come to believe it, that the most fertile atmosphere for people to come to faith and maturity in Christ is warm exposure to a small group of people who are fervently committed to God and to the evangelization of their community in the world. I believe that. That's from Chi Alpha, but I believe that. In other words... You are going to see people saved by making them a part of your life, by making them a part of your family, making them your friends, bringing them into your small group, bringing them into your home. We have to make a point to become friends with people who are not following Jesus. We have to love them like Jesus does and not make them a project, make them a friend, a real friend. They get to belong into our inner circle before they believe and even if they never believe, this is the type of love that Jesus showed. And this is the type of love that we are supposed to have among each other. And that's supposed to draw people to us. And then the Holy Spirit works in their life. And while we're simply sharing life with people, with these friends, we're going to have plenty of opportunities, trust me, to openly and honestly communicate the gospel. And see, in this case... Now that you have a friend, you have somebody who's going to listen to you. It's not like trying to go up to somebody just cold right off the street and tell them about Jesus. They're like, get away from me. It's not like that. You have a friend now. You've invested into this person. This person wants to hear what you have to say. And you will have a chance to tell them about Jesus. And even if they don't accept, as I said, we just keep on loving them. We just keep on treating them like an, a normal friend. We are discipling them all the time by living a Christ-like life before them. By applying the principles of our faith in our relationship with them. They're being taught to live like Jesus even if they haven't accepted him. And if you still can't imagine how you might do this, then I want to ask you a question. What do you like to do for fun? Just get that in your mind. What is it that you like to do for fun? Or what are you good at? Or what is a hobby of yours? Okay, once you have that thing in your mind, doesn't matter what it is, this is what you do. You carve out a time in your schedule each week to do that thing. Now, invite your friends, believers and unbelievers, to join you. You share that time with them every week. And in that time... You all just enjoy each other as friends. You enjoy doing whatever it is that you're doing. And at some point, you sit and you talk about God, who He is to you, what He's done for you. You can follow some kind of lesson plan. You can ask open-ended questions that get the, the group talking. You can go deeper on what Pastor D preached about that Sunday morning. But as you're led by the Spirit, you will have the opportunity to share the gospel with those unbelievers. And that's it. I mean, it's, re it's really that simple. And if, 
if everybody here today did that, we would go to two services like that. And then pretty soon we would have to find another place to meet or build another building like that. If everybody truly was committed to evangelizing the lost with the message of Christ and making disciples, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a place to put all the people. And it's really that simple. And it sounds pretty easy, but there is a catch. And that's the third point. It's going to cost you. What does, it, what does evangelism cost? It's going to cost you that most precious human commodity of all. It's going to cost you your time. What is the one thing that people who are lying on their deathbed long for more than anything else? More time. They don't want gold. They don't want money. They don't want pleasures. They just want more time with the people that they love. Time is the most precious commodity that we have. Nothing is more valuable than that. All the things that we wish to do and experience and, and all the love that we wish to share and receive in return, none of that is possible without time. And when we spend our time focused on someone else so that they may come to know Jesus, we discover whether or not we truly care about people's souls. How you feel about giving up your time to reach the lost determines how much you really care about the lost. If you see it as a nuisance, as a waste of time, then you better repent. Because something is wrong inside of you. Something is broken in your relationship with Christ. The key to evangelism is having our hearts changed. And unless we truly believe the gospel and see life through an eternal lens, then we will not be consumed by the Great Commission. But if Jesus sits on the throne of our heart and the greatest pleasure that we could ever obtain in life is to please Him and be more like Him, then evangelism becomes no longer a chore, but a privilege and an exciting opportunity. It is no longer something that detracts value from our life, but it adds it. It is no longer a waste of time, but the greatest use of it. So yes, it will cost. Neil, if you would come back to the piano, we're going to get ready to close. A few more things I want to say in closing. It will cost us, as I said. But how we perceive that cost is determined by what we believe and what and whom we love and value the most in this life. I would say to all of us, including myself, that we need to reevaluate on a consistent basis our relationship with God. Ask ourselves the hard questions. Take a look at our calendars and our schedules. Make decisions now to evangelize. Identify people in your world who need Jesus. Make a plan to make a friend of that person. And if you say, well, I don't, I don't do anything that puts me in contact with those people. I literally never come in contact with an unbeliever. Then here's what you do. You find a, a youth center 
or a library or something in your community, some event or some kind of volunteer program where you know there's going to be people who are lost. You get involved in that in your community where you can meet people in your, in your town that need Jesus. So my challenge to you and, and to myself is let's just do it. Let's quit talking about it. I mean, I could go on and on. I could say a lot more. I mean, I, I thought about it. I could have tried to make this message have more entertainment value. But what's the use? I mean, what, was the, what would be the purpose in that? If you're like, man, he had really great stories and all this. If those stories don't make you go tell people about Jesus, they'd matter not. It's just about doing it. So let's just do it. Let's just go out there. Make evangelism a part of your life. You'll be so glad that you did. Because a believer that is not sharing their faith is a believer that is missing out on one of the greatest opportunities that Jesus has ever given us. And that's to see somebody else get what we got. And the last thing that I would say to you, and I think is really, really important, is that as we go, as we go to share the the gospel, the message of Christ, let us make sure that our character reflects the Christ that we're preaching. Because the messenger can never be in violation of his own message. If if we are, then it's going to fall on deaf ears, and rightfully so. If you see somebody out here preaching something and they live something totally different, you want nothing to do with that. And that's a lot of what's happened in America, I believe. And I can speak to this nation more than any other. But I believe that a lot of people have gone out, like these guys who stand down here on Dixon Street on Friday and Saturday nights with their beards and their signs. Nobody's getting saved. They're down there yelling at people and holding up signs trying to incite a a, a mob, probably. That's not Christ. That's not the nature of Christ. Yes, Christ never, he never made excuses for sin, ever. You look, not one time did he ever make an excuse for sin or tell somebody, you know, it's all right, I understand. No, he told people to stop sinning, but he really, truly loved them. He said, I came for the sick, not for the well. And the people who thought they well were well, they really weren't well. They were sick. They were just too prideful. And Jesus knew that, and he knew they'd never see it. So he said, I ain't going to waste my time on you. I'm going to the people who know they need help. So let's just go evangelize the lost with the message of Christ. Let's just do it. Let's stop making excuses. Would you stand today? I'm going to give an altar call. And there's several things I want us to respond to. And I want you guys to come down here and just fill the front of this place and take some time praying. The first thing that I think we need to do is many of us, we need to repent. We need to ask God to forgive us for being disobedient because he told us to do this. And a lot of us were just not doing it. So we need to ask God to forgive us. Secondly, we need to ask for the power that he gives the source that he gives for being a witness. He said when his power comes upon the disciples, that they were going to be his witnesses. That same power is available for us and we need to seek it and ask for it. Ask God to fill you with the Holy spirit to the fullest measure and to empower you to be a witness. And then I would ask you to spend some time down here also thinking about people in your life who need Jesus. Just think about them. Uh, You can even get out a notepad or your iPhone or whatever and make a note. Write their name down. Some 
put their name somewhere where you're going to see it and go home, put it up on the refrigerator, up on a mirror, whatever it is. Just go make sure that you see that person's name constantly. So keep it in your in your mind and keep them in your heart. So if you would today, I, uh, I'm going to come down here and pray with you guys. If you guys would just begin to make your way out right now, just step out and let's just have a time of prayer of, of repentance and and um, thinking about the people that God is putting on our hearts. Amen. Would you come?